Hey overworked a mail from HR regarding work life balance here these are getting way too specific maybe i am stretching the fabric of how far the joke can be stretched anyway this episode we're discussing the right to privacy in context of the judgment of the supreme court in ks puttiswami versus union of india before i actually start with the episode itself i'd like to manage some expectations like i do in the beginning of every episode this time i've tried to establish a clear timeline as to since independence what has been the view of the indian state on the issue of right to privacy and i have ended it with whatever was said in ks puttiswami versus union of india i took the liberty of understanding that most people would know what privacy means which is why i didn't go into the details of it not more than what the supreme court judgment needs to go into anyway and this episode only and only deals with ks puttiswami and the issue it pertains to it does not pertain to the right to be forgotten however we did research about it and i felt like it was way too tangential to be included in the same episode and i was worrying if i was using the currency of your attention right in order to do justice to the entire jurisprudence of right to be forgotten because it's it is very oh, very much its own thing hence i have decided that we will discuss the right to be forgotten what exactly it is and what it entails and what's its status within the indian ju- judiciary is a subject for the next episode for now i'd like you to witness the storytelling of how the indian supreme court came to answer the question is the right to privacy a fundamental right under the constitution of india and with that i declare the class is now in session to completely understand the context of this judgment that we've taken up today and the jurisprudence over privacy we have to start with a really broad and some would argue completely unrelated question of separation of powers but i have a justification for it i promise it will provide a big brain moment also try to understand that this breakdown of separation of powers is a little generalized some would even say that it's oversimplified but I think in the context of this case it makes sense of course from case by case basis its ambit might be slightly more mixed it could be a, a lot more nuanced there's of course nitigrities to each of these roles of separation of powers but we won't go into that today today we'll just understand what the broad functions of each leg of government is especially regarding the law the legislative which is the parliament declares what is the law they have the power to make the law so to speak the executive as the name would suggest is tasked with the duty of executing the law that is they are the enforcement for example police officers administrative officers all of the people who are responsible that what the legislative says is how the government is run and finally you have the person who checks the interpretation of the executive when they're reading the law set up by the legislative which in this case would be the judiciary the duty of the judiciary in that sense of the word is to make sure that the law which is in place 
is not violated by executive or legislative but at the same time make sure that the translation of the law from the legislative and to the executive happens properly why am i discussing this at length by length i mean 2 minutes of the entire podcast it's because it's important when the court is essentially given the task of interpreting something that is not given in the strict words for example the legislative in a hypothetical situation makes this law that you cannot use your phone while you are driving all of us agree phones cause accidents if somebody is using them while driving but you as a citizen were not trying to violate the law not endangering anybody's life what you were doing is you sat in the car put on your seat belt turned on the ignition and then checked your phone before you started driving but you are on the side of the road already the police stops you and you get arrested because you technically using your phone while driving now in this case the police would argue that the fact that you're already on the road doesn't matter that you were on the side and halted you shouldn't be using your phone in this case it would depend upon the judge to read into the lines of the act that endangerment of the other traffic while driving by using your phone is an important ingredient for the crime to be recorded now in the case that we are about to discuss the story is slightly more twisted than that and it has a lot higher stakes to begin our story i have to tell you a consequential piece of information about the indian constitution now nothing in the indian constitution in explicit words says that it is the fundamental right of a citizen to have the right to privacy the closest thing that comes to a right to privacy that we have is article 21 of the indian constitution which says protection of life and personal liberty essentially the article says no person shall be deprived of his life or personal liberty except according to the procedure established by law now let's be honest there is a lot to unpack there to say that that encapsulates an entire fundamental right is a lot of weight on each and every word what does it mean to deprive somebody of their life or personal liberty or what is procedure established by law what is valid procedure that is lawful all these questions come up and in those cases what the supreme court says about the interpretation of each and every one of those words in real life situations is how law is essentially made and that interpretation of the supreme court will have binding value on each and every court in the country which is why the first time the supreme court had to decide on whether or not indians have the right to privacy in 1954 becomes a point of discussion for us and the origin story of this particular case well to be honest the question is a lot more simple than that it's not whether or not indians have the right to privacy it's a very specific type of privacy that it's asking of the case i am talking about is mp sharma versus satish chandra now in this case the reason right to privacy comes up is because a certain company that the petitioner was working in in this case it's called the dalmia group was under investigation for some charges of money laundering and 
you know evasion of tax basically saying that you're earning a lot more money that you're showing to the government and that's illegal because that determines your taxes and what not and to investigate whether or not dalmia group is actually guilty of this charge 30 search and seizure orders are given to the police and essentially the police is ordered to go search 30 offices of these people but along with the office documents that are being searched by the police the police is also searching things and documents that are private to these individuals and not the ones that belong to dalmia group they belong to the employees and workers and owners of the dalmia group the question of right to privacy hence arises because the supreme court must clarify to both the petitioners and the state and everybody who might find themselves in a similar situation again whether or not in these cases the police has the right to go ahead and search your personal files now in this particular case eight supreme court judges sat down and decided that the state has overriding powers of search and seizure in the interest of protection and security of the state the supreme court also mentioned on this occasion that there is no explicit right to privacy in the indian constitution and hence it was determined that the government had full right to examine the documents of these people if they were in connection to the crime interestingly one of the passages of the judgment itself talks about the fourth amendment of the american constitution which provides the american citizens a right against search and seizure illegal search and seizure which gives them right to privacy by the proxy of that and unless that is present right to privacy cannot be inserted into the constitution and that was the position of interpretation of article 21 to not have right to privacy or the entire indian constitution to not have the right to privacy until the question came up in slightly different circumstances and the case before them was about a certain individual named khadak singh against the state of uttar pradesh in this case khadak singh had a slight bit of a reputation the uttar pradesh police believed that khadak singh ke khadakne se khadakti thi khidkiyan which meant that he was probably a dacoit oh, that was the suspicion anyway he was implicated in a charge of dacoity a charge sheet was filed against him but no evidence was ever found which is why he had to be let go by the up police but the up police wondered if khadak singh ke khadakne se khadakti hai khidkiya then khidkiyon ke khadakne se khadakta hoga khadak singh i will not apologize for that essentially the question being that if we keep tabs on him and intimidate him will he break and give us the confession of what he's done so khadak singh being a prime suspect in a very 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 serious crime is put under surveillance by the up police for the charges of dacoity as a suspect under chapter 20 of the up police regulations the regulations under which he was put under surveillance make the patriot act look a little cute to be honest according to these regulations the up police could treat anyone who enters or comes to khadak singh's house or leaves khadak singh's house as a suspect they also had the power to make domiciliary visits at 2 or 3 am and on these visits they also had the right 
to demand the presence of Khadak Singh in the police station. The UP police also had full rights to follow Khadak Singh everywhere he went. Tracking was completely legitimately allowed to them or even directed to them under these regulations. It also meant that all his expenses were being tracked by the UP police authorities at this time. And the hope was if not the confession, then at least evidence will surface if he's kept under surveillance. Of course, being irritated and agitated by this treatment by the UP police, he went to the Supreme Court through a writ petition and challenged the validity of the UP police regulations that allowed such invasive treatment of him for being a suspect of a crime and then having no evidence found against him. Khadak Singh said in the court that these police regulations and the treatment that is subsequently following those regulations essentially is violating his fundamental right to movement under Article 19 and his right to life and personal liberty. The Supreme Court heard all of this and they made a decision. The six judges who were given the task to decide on this issue essentially said that the domiciliary visits that they would come to the, his house at 2 or 3 a.m. even demand his presence in Thane at that hour was unconstitutional. That is an invasion. The words in the judgment used are a man is the king of his castle, essentially implying that Khadaksin's right to personal liberty under Article 21 covers his right to be not disturbed inside his own house at an odd hour without reason. But the Supreme Court maintained the position at this very time that the right to privacy like mentioned in the previous case in MP Sharma versus Union of India does not exist in the Indian jurisprudence. Hence, the police had complete right to track his expenses. Along with that, they said that his right to movement was also not being infringed by the police following him around. At this time, the Supreme Court believed that the right to movement under Article 19, well, if you're being specific, the right to movement under Article 19 1D of the Indian Constitution is infringed only by physical restriction. Hence, UP police was now allowed to track the movements of Khadak Singh. However, a based and red-pilled individual named Justice Subba Rao, is that an honorary description of a Supreme Court justice? Well, it is a compliment, so I'm not going to take it out of the episode. Justice Subba Rao wrote the opinion of dissent, which is the court way of saying that I'm too edgy to agree with you right now. That's, that's a joke. Please don't write that in your exams or please don't quote it either. I know it sounds really cool to say though. Returning to Justice Subbarao, he wrote the opinion of dissent where he said that anybody can enjoy the freedom of movement anywhere for personal purposes. If the movement is being tracked, then how is it free? To be honest, this information can be misused. For example, if the government has the right to track you under these regulations and they know exactly under what circumstances at what time of the day you're alone or away from people or which is your favorite table at Rajesh Coffee Corner that's not necessarily free movement especially when state is the one keeping track of where and why you move but because Justice Subbara was of minority opinion in this case 
the majority opinion that freedom of movement was not restricted was held to be the position of the court in this case and more importantly the right to privacy was not established as a right that the people of india have under the indian constitution they did admit that right to personal liberty does exist and it does extend to the point that you should not be harassed inside your own house by the state which is why it was enforced and the next time the right to privacy would be discussed to the issue that supreme court has to issue policy about it would be in the year of 1997 there is a tiny bit of a history lesson that we need to take here and the history lesson concerns the 8th prime minister of india mr chandrashekhar see mr chandrashekhar had accused the ruling government of using the tools that they had at their disposal by virtue of being in power of tapping the phone lines of him and other opposition party members that the privacy of all these individuals was being infringed upon by listening into telephonic conversations that were not made to them now looking at the fact that this was beyond personal liberty and this was completely different ground of jurisprudence by the virtue of the recency of telephonic conversations in the year 1997 sorry but it did take us that long to take cognizance of the fact that it might be necessary and the supreme court issued guidelines in response to a public interest litigation filed by the people's union for civil liberties in 1997 this public interest litigation was filed by pucl in the light of the cbi investigation that was done and the evidence that came forward of the surveillance on telephone lines by the government against mr chandrashekhar or according to the accusations that he's made now the supreme court's directions in this case were pertaining to section 52 of the indian telegraph act this section basically said that in the event that public safety is at stake or that public emergency could be helped in those cases telephonic conversations can be surveilled now in some ways this case sets down the precedent and the legal architecture required for the final case that we're going to discuss on this episode because in this case the supreme court states that under article 21 of the indian constitution which provides you a right to life and personal liberty telephone calls are confidential and you have a right to have them in private just for people who are curious about the thread further as a result the indian telegraph rules had rule 419a inserted which provided additional guidelines and a legislative framework as to set a standard of proof or a standard of circumstances under which telephonic conversations can be surveilled essentially the rule says that unless if in the event that the circumstances are unavoidable then the union home secretary or the state home secretary can authorize this amount of surveillance where phones are being tapped and finally as advertised now we come to the petition of retired judge k s puttiswamy in the supreme court this judgment as the title would indicate is the current law 
on the right to privacy in India. And as most of you would know, the reason K.S. Puttaswamy feels compelled to make this public interest litigation and go to the Supreme Court is because of a certain initiative taken by the Indian government called the Aadhaar Act. The Indian government in an ambitious project to set up a social security project for the Indian people comes up with the idea of an Aadhaar card. Aadhaar, of course, means support. The very marketing of this is indicative of what the intent behind this was. It was to create a central database of all the citizens of India with their biometric data like their facial recognition, retina scan and fingerprints and match them with every entry and or distribution system for social security measures. The idea was simple that an individual's data is collected and for the data entry is a unique 12 digit number. And eventually this system was supposed to be so reliant that all public services that provide social security measures and distribute welfare goods on behalf of the government go to the people that they are intended for and they're claimed by those people and those people only. The reason that's important is because this is the area where per corruption persisted the most so far in India. For example, fake entries of individuals or fake cards were ma made for different individuals which were difficult to track, difficult to document and those in power would eventually misuse their influence to sort of take the social security money allocated to be given away to people in need and just pocketed themselves instead. But this is where things get complicated. The Indian government's ambition is a little dubious in the sense that it creates a panopticon. A panopticon is a surveillance system, basically a prison architecture where there is a central tower of surveillance and every cell is surveillable. A minimum a number of guards can survey maximum number of prisoners. The idea behind saying that in this context is that it's essentially saying that what Indian government is doing with the Aadhaar initiative is creating a prison of all their citizens. Their citizens would be surveilled at all times by the government through this initiative. The data had already been started to collect for about eight years now, but this was going into phase two, which, which was where concerns were started to be risen. Through the Aadhaar Act of 2016, the Indian government essentially started linking Aadhaar numbers to eligibility to public distribution schemes like Midday Meal, a scheme where the government provides ration to the government schools to be given to the students. The act went further and made sure that even opening bank accounts and filing income tax returns in the country would be impossible without an Aadhaar card. Hence, the conflict before the Indian citizens became clear. Either enroll in the Aadhaar scheme, give them your biometric data and be a part of the National Registry of Citizens that the government possesses and link that unique identification number with data that can potentially track your financial transactions, your health records, your eligibility and frequency of using 
government provided benefits or do not enroll aadhar at all and opt out of all of those systems at this point the retired judge ks puttaswamy came forward with the public interest litigation to the supreme court in order to ask supreme court to deliberate and settle the issue of whether or not the indian citizens have a right to privacy as a fundamental right under article 21 which is right to life and personal liberty within the indian constitution ks prattisamy's problems went further in this case with the cognition that the social security schemes that provide the this ration or provide people access to open bank accounts are fundamental rights which are being denied for non compliance with the documentation scheme of the government furthermore the issue still remains that is the government capable of handling security protocols to provide enough safety to the extremely sensitive data that they have collected and stored from its citizens can the indian government place checkpoints and authorities that will monitor that no misuse of this information on behalf of the state occurs for example if it returns and bank accounts are linked with your aadhar number essentially all of that information in an open source area would let the government know with the click of a button how much money you currently have what are you spending it on and how much of it are you paying to the government in what ways along with very sensitive information like your current permanent address your lineage and all the biometric data that would be needed to validate it and to tackle this very complicated issue the supreme court constituted two benches one of five judges that would completely and solely discuss the validity of the aadhar act and the second one to discuss a major question of constitutional law in the country which is is the right to privacy a fundamental right provided to the indian citizens under the indian constitution the reason the second bench has nine judges is because well the precedents that it is supposed to overtake is are six and eight judges respectively which means a larger bench would be needed to create bound, binding value on those i want to deal with the nine judge benches verdict on whether right to privacy is a fundamental right or not first because it kind of influences what they will say on the validity of aadhar act the supreme court decided in this case that the judgment that was made by the supreme court in mp sharma's case or khadak singh's case the first two cases we discussed in this episode were not valid they were not good laws in line with the constitutional ideal hence this nine judge bench declared that the right to privacy is a fundamental right under article 21 of the uh, indian constitution and the basis for it is evident through all the fundamental rights the supreme court explained that right to equality under article 14 or the fundamental right to free speech under article 19 or the promise of due procedure under article 20 along with the right to life under article 21 or right to religion under article 25 of the indian constitution all state that certain amount of privacy must be respected by the state in order to allow an individual to enjoy these rights 
the Supreme Court also cited the Universal Declaration of Human Rights that the Indian government or the Indian state is signatory to. The Article 12 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights reads, No one shall be subjected to arbitrary interference with his privacy, family, home or correspondence, nor to attacks upon his honour and reputation. Everyone has the right to protection of the law against such interference or attacks. Having agreed upon that, the Aadhaar case by the five-judge bench was decided in the majority of four is to one, where the dissenting opinion was given by D.Y. Chandrachud, which is a very good dissenting opinion. I think all of us should read it. Uh, at least the law students should. I will try to summarize it in a bit. But the Aadhaar case incidentally mentioned that linking Aadhaar to other things was constitutional. However, making it compulsory to obtain bank accounts was not. The case also declared that collection of biodata by itself is not a problem, but there need to be safety measures within the uh, Aadhaar Act. And they also held Section 57, Section 33.1, Section 33.2, Section 47 and Section 2D of the Aadhaar Act to be completely inconstitutional, which means they need to be either struck down or reframed. Just so I don't leave the thread of curiosity unexplored, again, Section 57 of the Aadhaar Act let private company use eKYC and use the 12-digit Aadhaar authentications to validate details about people. So this data would be shared with private individuals and entities and they would have the same access of the government-based data to validate their sources as well and corroborate documentation, which was held unconstitutional. The biggest win in the Aadhaar case was the reading down of Section 33.1 and striking down of Section 33.2. I'll tell you both. Section 33 basically at width discussed the circumstances under which any other part of the government than the UIDAI can access information or request disclosure of information from the UIDAI. So under section 33.1, uh, uh, disclosure of information including identity and authentication records that are ordered by a court that is higher or of a district judge would be able to request it. The Supreme Court clearly stated to the state that a hearing, an opportunity with a hearing must be provided to the individual before this disclosure is authenticated. And Section 33.2, which allowed disclosures under the interest of national security on the direction of an officer not below the rank of Joint Secretary to the Government of India, which basically meant if national security was of importance, then your Aadhaar details would be in the hands of the Joint Secretary Office. Section 47, which is uh, the power of any court to take cognizance of an offence under this Act to make it punishable, was taken away from any Chief Metropolitan Magistrate or Chief Judicial Magistrate, which is a jurisdiction issue. This was also struck down. And finally, any metadata that is generated on your Aadhaar card in the past five years was allowed to the state to record and keep but now that record has that amount of time to record has been reduced to 6 months thanks to the aadhar act
I know a lot of legal jargon happened in the past few minutes so I'm just going to recap as to what was disallowed under the Aadhaar Act so as per this judgment the government one told the legislative to put safety measures to get data safe in the hands of the government they did hold that the government had the right to collect data from their people they however did say that giving this data to corporations should not be legal at all they said that any district court or above cannot order these records from the uidai unless a chance for hearing is given to the individual whose data is being recorded and you can't divulge the records of a person under the guise of national security concerns from the uh, aadhar bank of data it also significantly reduced the limit of how long the data that is generated on your aadhar card can be stored with the government it is important to note and this is something that people who listen to the original podcast would already know that the right to privacy also meant that you have the right to no interference or attack for having a sexual orientation that is not heteronormative and if it's consensual activity then it is protected by your fundamental right to privacy the basis of this essentially led to the navtej singh johar judgment which read down section 377 to decriminalize uh, consensual interactions between same sex couples while that is it on the story of ks puttiswami versus the union of india and the right to privacy i do want to discuss some outliers before we close the gates on this because it won't be a complete discussion without it at least to me so i chose to discuss the cases about state surveillance against right to privacy because that's the major concern in which right to privacy is seen through but while the courts have always maintained that right to privacy is not a fundamental right promised under the article 21 of the indian constitution there were supreme court cases like govind versus state of madhya pradesh in 1975 which recognized the importance of privacy against the state there was also the 1995 judgment of r rajgopal versus the state of tamil nadu where a conflict between the fundamental right to free speech and fundamental right to privacy had come to odds with each other when the petitioner who was a an owner of a tamil magazine and writing a biography about otto shankar who was a death row convict at the time the government of tamil nadu kept interfering with his work and requesting changes this was because otto shankar was a criminal who was a part of an organized crime syndicate and there were quite a few nexuses between him and the police officers and the supreme court in these peculiar circumstances accepted and admitted a position of right to be let alone which is very similar to the right to be forgotten of course the court made a distinction that any matter that is a matter of court records cannot be said to be private because it's a matter of public records and hence by that virtue is open to commentary by press media and among others and in the same nexus unless an information provides a very specific public interest that information does not need to be divulged which implicitly implied that 
even in the case of raj gopal versus tamil nadu right to privacy was recognized if not articulated in those words okay everyone that's all i have for you this week like i mentioned in the beginning of the episode or in the intro of the episode i did want to include the right to be forgotten in this episode but i felt it was so tangentially different that it warrants its own episode which should be out soon you can call it an expansion on the right to privacy episode but it's not the same thing at all so i don't know if i'd call it right part 2 of right to privacy i'm just going to call it right to privacy implied on the internet and the episode should be out soon as long as soon as i get to work on it that is but till then if you like the episode please 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 keep tuning into our podcast on spotify or google podcast or wherever it is that you're getting your podcasts please follow me on instagram at @defriedneurons and facebook if that's your thing or twitter for that matter all of them are at @defriedneurons if you think the content that i make around here is worth continuing or something that you would like to support financially please consider visiting our patreon page or buying me a coffee through buymeacoffee.com the research on this episode was assisted by siddhant singh the logo was created by purvao on instagram and the music for the episode was provided by triggerfish.what my pronunciation was recently corrected for the way i was saying it on 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 this podcast so triggerfish.what you can find the instagram accounts of purvao and triggerfish.what down in the description along with the citations of all the cases that we have discussed today If you like the content around here and would like to che- check the original podcast which is Deep Fried Neurons podcast please feel free to do so the link for the same would be in the description as well Thank you for tuning in bye